Okay. Hi there, Rob. Hey, Jersey. I didn't hear the music. Yeah, it's one of those things again. It's time for a rebroadcast where we dig back into our archive of over 300 episodes. And there's so many things that we've, we, we don't, like you've, you're, you know, thanks for being here and downloading and listening and all that because uh, you're probably familiar how we'll, we'll, we'll take a topic that affects the, the lives of, you know, storytellers and, and um, visual artists and whatnot and just explore it, look at it. We try to look at it from a practical, hands-on sense and then from a, like, a, looking at it from a more, like, theoretical and asking other things about what it means and stuff. And so it's a little bit of theory, a little bit of practice, and that's what we do. And so it means that there's a lot of, you know, metaphorical books on the shelf that we can pick up and look at from time to time. That's true. And so we're going back into the bookshelf, uh, into the archives, to an episode from May 19th, 2017. So it's a a few years old now. Episode Mm. 189, Inclusive Creative Work, which is, what what do we talk about in this one, Rob? I, I mean... As, as, a, as a cartoonist and teaching artist, I know I am dealing with a wide array of uh, young people from very different backgrounds, very different learning styles, very different approaches, very different needs. And so that's a skill I've practiced a lot in my classroom. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I know that this is something that we practice a lot on the show as well. But we go into a little bit more of like a, a bit of more nitty gritty on this one, right? Uh, yeah, certainly. This is, again, we get sort of practical and theoretical with it where uh, we look at how can you practice this, right? So gaining empathy and perspective. Um, like, you know, you mentioned how you apply that in your classrooms with typically, typically a younger audience. I'm often doing sort of, you know, workshops and things for an older audience as well. Um, like sort of, you know, professional, you know, they have a job age and up. Um, occasionally younger, but you still, yeah, you still get this, this feel for, for how do you connect with people of different backgrounds and perspectives and that, let's see what happens if sort of some uninclusive things pop up and you need to try to, um, work around or deal with that. So, and, and as, as a teaching artist, again, I am often, um, uh, made aware of my blind spots. And it has become a, a common practice in my classroom to celebrate those moments. Hey, I learned about a new thing that I had no idea what it was about before, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the fun of the, of, of, for me, of teaching. Um, so there's that, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's great to get out of your bubble. And you say it's, it's, it's you know, you get those moments that you see it, you recognize it, and then you can adapt because, yeah, culture is constantly evolving. And... That's I, I like that we took a look at that in this episode, Culture and we even talk about creating inclusive work. Culture is constantly evolving. Thank goodness for that. So let's kick into it in a second. But first, we got to thank a few people who make this show possible, and those are the people who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/LeanIntoArt is the website, and it is a way for you to give us a monthly upvote if you believe in me, Rob, and what we do. Can support us for as little as a dollar a month. You can also cancel at any time. But I want to thank five people who have been supporting us on an ongoing basis. First up, Chris Watkins. Thank you, Chris, for believing in us and what we do. And Cameron Callahan. Thank you, Cameron, longtime supporter of the show. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cam Callahan. And Spencer Hallam. Thank you, Spencer, for believing in the show. And Tim F. Thank you. It means a lot. 
And finally, Catherine Sugru. You can find Catherine on Twitter at Cat Sugru, S-O-O-G-R-O-O. And these will all be linked in the show notes. And you can join them all at patreon.com slash leanintoart, where you will find all the shows we make, as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread where you can talk about whatever you want in a safe place with fellow leaners. And it gets you access to the Lean Into Art Discord server, where um, you can hang out and share work in progress, do social posts, and also participate in some of those two-minute practices that we've been talking about in the show. Once again, patreon.com slash art. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot. It really does. Thank you so much. Okay, let's do it. Hi there. It's another. It's time once again for the Lean Into Art Cast, the show where a couple of visual storytellers uh, engage with the topic. The practice doing whatever it is the the visual storytelling stuff that we do and then back up and look at what we did and think about uh think really hard about what we did because we think hard about visual storytelling so you will too my name is jersey drozd i'm a cartoonist and a teaching artist the other host is uh hey i am rob stenzinger i am a game designer user experience designer and uh you know interactive storyteller what hey, uh, hey man how you doing jersey we will talk about a lot of the stuff that we do uh, later on in this episode, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm well. How, how are you, Rob? <laughs> uh, you know, doing all right. Um, I, I, I love doing what we do here on the show. And I just, yeah, got to show up and, and, and dig into this, the, the stuff, this exercise, and, and try to, I mean, like we do this because we are not... We are not gurus that, um, you know, we may have practiced different arts and skill and disciplines and put things into the world. And, you know, maybe that's a, a chunk of time that's significant. Maybe not either way. Uh, this, this is part of the practice. I mean, the whole reflecting and digging in and all that. So always, uh, always excited to show up and, and work on this stuff. Think about what we're, what we're doing this week. Yeah, this is, this is part, of, part of the making of things. Make a thing. Think about what you made. Share share what you made and share what you thought about when you made it. Um, mm-hmm. What so? What aspect of making things and sharing things are we uh, talking about today, Rob? Well, today it's the whole idea of of um, inclusivity and um, trying to make work that uh, that that has this this sort of openness and approachability and is um, like I guess in available to to an audience that that's not just exactly who you are right like i I know i've heard like there's i forget the comedian but he was like um the someone said recently um my jokes are for guys my age who uh who look like me and who are me or something like that yeah yeah that was uh i think it was andy andy kindler i think that did that i found out who my audience is guys my age who are me (laughs) Yeah, and I think a lot of folks aren't actually joking, and that's kind of kind of who their audience is. And I and I I want to be, um, I I, I don't want to to just sort of not deal with that. I mean, I I want to um, 
and have found found you know benefit to try to um, try to break out of that bubble of like whatever it is that causes me to only try to reach out to people like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is hmm, this is part of that. I'm trying to find a way to frame this up that that is the healthiest way to frame it up for me. Um, oh yeah. This is part of that eternal course correcting that one does as culture and society evolve and change, right? So as um, part of it is I don't want to be the guy who wakes up one day going like, why are you kids doing that thing? You know, what's with, what's with these beetles and their haircuts, you know? Um, but the other part of it is, is that I want my connection to my fellow humans to be resonant and meaningful for me and them, right? Uh, I don't want to be confused. <laughs> And when I mean, I encounter... Or if you're if you are confused, maybe maybe there's a way to to go through that confusing experience, yeah. uh, together instead yeah. of you know where there's a there's probably a common ground um, in that in the feeling that how you're representing it could be more approachable to to and, a wider and there's group. A, there's also a, a really cynical practical aspect to it too that I talk about with my students all the time is that when you encounter somebody that you don't understand and they or they make me anger they make you feel the feelings. Um, my first question is why, because the, the more I can understand that person, the more characters I've got for my backpack full of characters when I have to generate stories on the fly, mm. right? Oh, I once knew this person who did this, and I have at least a hypothesis as to why, if not an actual justification or a reason that came from that person. But at least I'm, you know, I'm trying to get inside of the heads of the people that I encounter to better understand them so that I can it it makes my writing improve, right? Um, and as a software designer, I'm sure you think about this a lot as somebody who has to think about personas. Oh, absolutely. And also different dimensions of how something can be um, approachable for um, you make a piece of software, you make a game, you put out a website, what have you, that, um, let's see, it could be, um, usable. So someone possessing the, the, um, the, the, the traits and abilities that you're assuming, um, or, or have your own traits and abilities are able to comprehend and use what you're, what you've provided. That's, that's usable. But then there's an accessible aspect too, like that, that are people who maybe have, uh, different abilities than, than you have. Maybe, maybe they have, um, uh, they have, um, you know, uh, blindness, hearing issues, um, cognitive issues, what have you. And you can use, you can, you can be aware of that and, and, and inform your design to try to, um, help them accomplish the same things that, that initial, that other audience can accomplish with what you're making. Um, so but then there's that... also like learnable too, right? So, um, so maybe what you're providing has a higher, has a, a lot it is a skill like to, to, to use it, right? Like some, some games, it's like, they're actually fun cause they're hard. So how do you make that, that difficulty able to be, um, developed or grown? So I think we framed up the topic and, and the why, like really kind of like gave a preview to the 10,000 feet up section and like talking about the why we think about this stuff really hard. Mm -hmm. You want to just start modeling it and thinking really hard about, or really like practicing this really hard for a second. Totally. I think, yeah, time to go 10,000 feet up. Or we're on the ground. Or on the ground. Whatever. Whichever. We are in. Keep on rolling. <laughs> 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 
real you warriors. Want to do the the um the uh, mid eighties shuffle. You know, gotta <laughs> yeah. bite that bottom lip. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Okay. So now here we are. We're. No idea where that song came from. That's that's from Wild Warriors. It was the closing music. It's Wild Warriors. A closing music. Yeah. Okay. So what's what's awesome about opening music is it typically just has the blunt, you know, the pl- the premise and the title, um, yeah. emphasized to such extent where yeah, there's that's cool. But keep on rolling. Uh, okay, I, I should have picked up on that. <laughs> Oh, I don't expect you to. That's good. All right, it's good. Just... <laughs> but we're on the ground. On we're the ground. A, we're not 10,000 feet up. And uh, okay. So how how do we do this stuff where we, you know, uh, man, I know you've got like a million thoughts on this, like like this gaining empathy and perspective business that, that comes with software and game design. One of the... the... <sighs> something that's just incredibly powerful that breaks through the uh, you know for better or for for worse we we've solved a lot of interesting and hard problems by breaking them down into small problems right so think about the roles that are that that could be assigned to a comic that is that is being produced at a very rapid pace where you've given out that so the different job different jobs like some what are some of those jobs jersey like <laughs> you're like could you have asked a harder question <laughs> like no it's like it's super not ask ask me again really like, what are some jobs like other words. okay you're gonna make a comic uh and you're gonna make a team to make a comic efficiently you know because efficiency is somehow important because you need to crank you need to turn it out turn it around in like um a, a rapid high quality way right so you've got to divide these jobs up Sure, sure. You get that. You get that uh, assembly line kind of thing where yep. the, the the historical uh, model of comics, which is you have a writer, a, a penciler, an inker, a colorist, and a letterer, and an editor, hopefully to help keep the machine moving. Um, and then those jobs can also be reshuffled and reconfigured in a lot of different ways. And the truth of the matter is, is that when you do it right, nobody's really sure who did what exactly, but. Mm. That that's a nice compartmentalized way of thinking about it. Yes, is that you distribute the work amongst a bunch of different people by um, chunking. We did an episode on creative chunking, and that is that's the way I do it. Except I basically distribute those jobs to myself at different points in the timeline. But anyway, as an aside, um, is that what you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so that chunking and that the it's really um, let's see. So whoever is. Yeah. Okay. So if the team is working really collaboratively, maybe you get to avoid some some of the um, side effects that can happen. It's it it's possible once you've chunked things up to get disconnected from who you're making this for, and you can make it about the that job that role, which isn't entirely wrong, but it could be, um, it, it could be that what you're doing would have greater relevance for who it's going to benefit if you're if you're just a little bit more aware of them. I mean, it's almost it reminds me of the story of like how like one of the angles you took on on creating Boulder and Fleet was was thinking about um like what would make um what what would be a fun and interesting comic for your your wife Anne, right? Yeah. Which and, I mean, at the time I was really using that as a creative constraint just to like help me navigate choices. Um, but in retrospect, I realized that that service driven approach, 
helped me refine ideas more efficiently and helped me d- discover what was useful to the to the work and what wasn't. And that's I mean that's exactly the benefit of do, using something like a persona, um, your target audience, but you know meaningful things about the target audience. Like one well, like a distinction in user experience as far as um, you can have someone someone summarize this this mythical like I'm making this thing for. Um, let's see, um, Jane, the computer scientist, right. Who is, um, you know, 16 years old and, um, you know, has some volunteer work and, a, and, a, and, a, you know, a small income through whatever. And, and, you know, like you name these things and lives in this certain area. And, and these are all demographic things that could try to shape your idea of a person. Those can only, they can have a giant negative side effect of just reinforcing your assumptions about, well, you know, when people are from this place and they, they carry this kind of phone, they talk like this, right? And you, you sound like a, like a late a 90s comic, right? right. Um, whereas if you look at more people's like real people <laughs> and you, then you pull out like key behaviors or they really seem to be frustrated about this or really seem to love that, Right. So what delights them? What what is uh, painful for them? Right. And thinking of them as a concrete, real person is huge for for helping you. They call this it's it can sound so, you know, I don't know. Um, it can sound lame, <laughs> but like they call that empathy gathering. Right. Mm-hmm. So. You get out of your own perspective you have some real design criteria for informing what you do. Um, but then it's easy to, so you could be exposed to all this stuff. You could have someone say like, oh, here's who we're trying to reach with this story or here's who needs to be able to use um, this game that we're, that we're creating. But like it still can be abstract if you're not... Um, if if you're not really trying to connect with it. Um, so I, I, when I think about gaining perspective and empathy, I think there's a few pieces in there. So you want to talk about listening? Yes. Because I think that this is part of what you're talking about, right? This is like the actual, and boy, oh boy, can you pick a more vague and difficult to pin down word than that? But it has a precision with a little bit of context. Listening. Well, everybody listens. Everybody who has, everybody who hears or watches is, is paying, paying any kind of attention, is doing some form of listening, right? But check this out. It's funny that you picked this topic this week because I got my ATP right here, my emerging task planner for those who are new to the show, which is that. a date planner thing, davidsay.com, S-E-A-H. Love it. I, I live by my ETP. It never leaves my side. But uh, on my sort of my catch-all for the week page, I put meditate this week, rushed an attentive meeting with insert name here, purposes of privacy, and insert name here at this other location, proved that I'm not retaining focus, need to recenter. I had two meetings last week where uh, there was a clear agenda to the meeting. It was about A2CAF stuff. So we, there was, um, we knew why we were there and we knew what we had to accomplish. So the meetings were very brief and for the most part, very efficient. But still, I showed up with this whole, all right, let's get down to business. Um, and I didn't, there was no how do you do, there was no pleasantries, which 
you know, some people may be put off by that. Some people maybe not. Some people may even like it. Like, oh, wow, how efficient this guy is. But here's where I went wrong. I said, these are the things that we need to get done. These are the things that I'm hoping that we can do. Uh, these are some, some things I'm hoping you can do. What do you think about that? Any questions, comments, anything? Okay, no? All right, let's keep going. You know, and at no time did I look them in the eye and go, you know, what would you like to do? You know, and then shut up for five seconds, right? Because I was so worried about hitting those agenda points. And I mean, to be to be fair to myself, I was really worried about not wasting their time, right? I, I wanted to honor that they, they were taking time out of their day to meet with me. So I wanted to get through the meeting fast. But jeepers, would have been so hard for me to stop, look them in the eye and say, what would you like to do? Is there anything that, you know, I want to hear what your take is on what you want to contribute to this thing. And then stop and listen to it for a second before... I start rolling out what we I think we need to do because I don't know. I, I, I might have missed out on something really cool because I didn't stop and listen. That's, um, oh gosh. It, I mean, there's so many contexts where what you're describing could be like a super efficient, the, the right meeting for, for what was needed at that time, right? I mean, it depends on where the team is at and are they... Um, <clears throat> Are they doing a brief huddle for, um, I'm the wrong, I'm not, I should not use sports analogies. Um, okay. Right. Let me, is this let me a, decouple from the sports analogy. Okay, please. So are they in the midst of some action and doing a brief pause to synchronize and say, same page, everybody, same page. And then they go forward for the thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know what I'm gonna do if I ever run a studio. <laughs> and we have to say it in low voices. Same page. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Pump your feet. Same page. <laughs> mm-hmm. Same, Same page. page. All, right. All right. Nice. All right. <laughs> Are we ready to continue the podcast? Same page. Right. <laughs> right. Right. All right. As opposed to what? As opposed to what other kind of check-in? Okay, so if I show up and some people are shouting same page and I'm like, what page? Um, I thought this page would be great to work on. I'm not ready for the same page, you know, um, shout, shout celebration or whatever. It's um, uh, to sync up. I, I, need a, I, need more, I need more attention and bandwidth. I need more. I may need to even get concretized like why... I wanted to bring this up. I may not have all that figured out. I just have this thing I noticed. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing it to this this time and place. Um, so it depends on the needs. Of course, but I in in the example I used, I didn't even allow for that to happen. Sure. I said same page, and then it was like same. Like, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And like, there might have been one person back going ah, and I'm like now nah, we're we're still going. Um. Yeah. But what I'm also getting from what you just said is is that listening means allowing for time to get the context of where the, the details of somebody else's perspective on a situation, their understanding of the situation. And let's sometimes it's it's parsing their language to figure out where they are with the situation, right? Oh my gosh. I'm realizing the whole podcast could be about listening. Because it's a it's a very um it's a deep concern and a critical need if you want to somehow include other perspective 
that um, the learning, learning to listen and, and also checking in and making sure, are you doing it? Um, are you, are you doing it well? Like, so are you benefiting or are others benefiting from your effort for that, um, that listening? So did you, um, gosh, because there's so much creating the space, making it, um, this moment about what, what do you see? I want to understand the world from your perspective right now. And how are you feeling about that? And let's go back and forth between how are you feeling and what are you seeing? And then is there something that you are thinking is an action or an outcome that you want or an outcome you want to see? And then what actions do you th- do you see that or do you feel would, would bring us closer to that? Okay, well, and then inject your own language because like the listening if you're really building a thing, it's not, it's really not just one party broadcasting to you then like you could become, you could create the moment. You could, you could be, um, really understanding the world a lot through their, their perspective, but you're there for a reason too. You're there to try to, you know, bring about some creative progress or effort. And if you're not trying to then test however that, listening has been absorbed by you um this is tough territory because it depends on the context right so if you are on a team making a thing that's pretty easy context i mean maybe people have you know quirks or challenges with collaborating but probably there are ways to work through that but um but it gets pretty different if you are listening because you're trying to be inclusive with with a um like with a group that's just not where you, where you are because it's really easy to just box people up as other and or or assume that they have the same experience with what you're talking about as you do or the same uh understanding of what it is as you do and that's not to make any kind of value judgment saying that like oh they don't understand as well as you so you have to take them by the hand i'm saying that like if you ask any five cartoonists what's the most important aspect of making comics, you're going to get five answers, right? Um, mm. Everybody's got their own cherished beliefs and their, their own their own line that they you know refuse to cross in terms of like what makes their art for, work for them, right? Um, so like the, the 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 perspective point of view and direction the vector that they're on is you know like that's all really important information, um, and I I think. Most of the time when I'm in a classroom context, I'm pretty good at that. But there there are always instances where I drop the ball. And I, as I walk away, I was like, oh, my gosh. I just went through an entire half hour with somebody where I did not listen to them at all. You know? Uh, so it's something that I'm, I'm constantly course correcting on. And it's, it, I think it's, it's not, I don't think this is like a, a, a skill unlock thing. I think this is the skill practice thing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, this does not feel like a threshold kind of goal. This is a way of being that is, um, I mean, it, I don't know how you, how you'd look at it. It's, it's sort of a, um, imprecise ongoing upgrade to your approach that, that will yield a variety of improvements or, um, inaccuracies as you, 
you know, as you work through your own assumptions and beliefs and biases and, and, and whatnot, because even if you are excited to be present and to listen and, um, over time you might pick up on something because you're continuing to practice and you realize I was hearing this thing wrong for like years now. Oh crap. And then, well, I, um, what do I do about it? And okay, how do I adjust how I listen? Briefly, I'm wondering if you could talk about this from the the work you've done as a UI UX designer, software designer. Um, Listening, saying, one could easily misunderstand when one says, shut up and listen, as literally remaining silent. But when it comes to to my classrooms, that is not what I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of talking, but that talking is prompting, right? That talking is asking how questions, asking complex questions, not leading questions necessarily, but really trying to understand what the kids are reacting to and then helping them refine their answer by me repeating back to them my understanding so far in my own words. So are you saying like this? And then I let them talk, right? And let them say a yes or no and add their own uh, extra context to it. So I'm wondering, like, how do you think about, or how do you progress through listening to somebody carefully with prompting? Oh, that's, what a great way to, to, to describe that. Listening carefully, but then you're, you're responding with prompting where, because inherently the, um, <laughs> you're not saying a definitive statement of, um, well, what you said about your classroom experience is you sometimes are able to pick out what, what's, um, let's see the, what's unmet needs in the room. Um, and it depends on the day. Now we'll never think of this again. <laughs> I've learned the thing. I've yeah. added that thing brick to my pile of knowledge bricks to never be questioned. No, it's like this. It's like, well, is what, what it, I, is this a thing? So like, and, and <laughs> that's, it's, that's almost, that's almost the way I do it. Yeah. And, and that's that kind of questioning approach. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a bit, um, it's creating sort of a, a collective consciousness to what, is being discussed. So you're, um, you're creating, you're, you're demonstrating, you're, you're modeling how, um, you're actively trying to see and integrate this thing with everything that's been going on around it. So it's, it's, it's taking in this new information in a context and making sure that there's this ongoing feedback loop of like, okay, this is our context, right? Okay. Then this is the thing, right? Okay. Then this, this thing in this context okay, that means what now? And then, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I've seen you do it and it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's delightful. And, um, and exactly what I mean as far as like a, like a kind of a learning to listen. Um, like I remember going through, um, conflict resolution training many moons ago and, uh, conflict resolution uh it it was when i was um when i was uh, essentially managing some janitorial contracts right and then sometimes conflict could happen with a client could happen with folks on your team who knows right and um there there's this this concept of active listening of like someone's like 
um, maybe they're mad because you, you were like, Hey, I was wondering, um, how, how's it going when you were going to vacuum this section? Um, I thought we would be done by this certain, certain time. Did something go wrong? Can I help? Um, and then it's like, Whoa, this thing's a piece of crap. And what do you mean? I'm working my best. I'm like, you seem really mad. I, and this seems like the, um, so the equipment maybe was in the way that I did not mean to put you in a situation where you could not, you know, get that. So you're trying to like navigate and synchronize and navigate and synchronize, whatever. So conflict, right? Inherently there's friction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but like some, sometimes the friction is less, um, less amplified, right? And just the, the friction could be your assumptions and their assumptions and just like not really connecting. And, yeah, and like I, this, this is one of the areas where if I'm ever disappointed with an experience with somebody, that's usually the point that I, I, I wind up coming to again and again, is that I operated on an assumption, I didn't act actively listen to what they were saying, and uh, I, I, the whole experience felt rushed and like f- full of potential misunderstandings. Maybe there, maybe there are, maybe there aren't, but that's 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 one I get stuck on a lot. That's one of my personal foibles. Um. Jesse Kaufman is in the chat. He has some comments on this that actually kind of feed into this. He says that, uh, I find it particularly hard to pause for another's experience of an event when it's an event I shared with them. I tend to assume we both experienced it in the same way. That's an easy thing to leap to, right? Of course, because you're both there. You both saw the same thing. And he says, which is usually to my detriment because their experience often adds greater richness to the shared experience. I mean, that, and then that's perfectly summarized that's why we have shared experiences right it's to get everybody's perspective so the thing that when you walk out of a movie right everybody's like what part did you like what part did you like oh i didn't like this part but i love that part etc right mm. that's yeah that that is awesome like the um even though like everyone's smiling they might be smiling for different reasons or if everyone's frustrated they might be frustrated for different reasons and like what better thing to use that is like um just just a a start to get more information and learn. Right. Do you remember in the Lord of the Rings movie um, when Bilbo and B- Bilbo runs into Frodo and Rivendell again after they've been separated for so many years? Yeah. And Bilbo's like, can I see the ring one more time? You know, and Frodo pulls out the ring hesitantly and then Bilbo does that like, ah, thing. <laughs> like he gets scary <laughs> for a second. Yeah, yeah. So Anne and I are watching at the theater. And he does that, ah! And Anne like huddles down in the chair and covers her face. And I'm thinking... Oh my god, it scared her. She's she's terrified by that scary face. And as I like lean in, I'm like, is everything okay? Is everything okay? I see she's laughing. She was laughing because she thought it was so silly looking when it happened. And she was trying not to let her laughter carry into the theater because she knew it would wreck it for other people. So it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you can't judge you can't judge based on what you initially see. Um <laughs> that's uh okay. That 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 yeah, totally uh a very interesting moment where it's, it's, it's exaggerated. Right. And it's so, yeah, yes. I could, I can totally see how, um, you, you know, talking through that kind of thing in a movie and different people carrying away different things. And so funny, like we can carry away different things from how we see others react to. Um, and that's where, uh, there's a couple other bullet points, a couple other thoughts I want to, uh, add, add as bricks onto, um, uh, I want to put a couple more bricks on everyone's knowledge pile. If that's cool. Um, the, uh, so you're learning to listen. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a brick, but then I'll, there's the, um, Hey, wait a minute. 
there's there's situations especially if you're looking for them of like um you want to notice if you really want to see when you're reacting to something someone else is reacting to it and um and you're willing to try to um see what that's about investigate so you have to notice a moment of wait a minute i think what you just said sounds like okay is this something that you learned from a previous project and like why do you think that's why do you think that fits in our current situation like let's let's explore that a bit and so you have to notice the moment to even like start building this deeper awareness right and so not just notice the moment but find a way to to include it and bring it in as opposed to because you could notice a moment and say ha, ha, you're no <laughs> you you could totally exclude stuff right there right um it's easy to misuse the, the noticing the moment thing um right. but then uh then i think we have the 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 whole uh, like our own our own assumptions if you're just willing to hold it like like holding your breath for a little bit like practicing holding your breath is an, i don't know that's like i'm not particularly good at but it's kind of fun like whenever it comes up i'm like okay all right, I'm going to try, right? Sounds fun. And and that kind of uh, hold, pause, create some space, see what's going to happen next. Don't jump to conclusions is, is, a, um, is a helpful, inclusive uh, capacity building thing. So then there's, uh, yeah, maybe there's other things that I think would be good for on the ground then, but like, just those couple of bullet points. What do you think as far as the whole, um, like how do you, how do you create that space Jersey with the whole? It's, it's tough when you're in the moment. Project it's, stuff. Well, I guess, yeah. So you think about like, like making things for the people. Cause I, yeah, I'm really talking about like my best examples are when I'm teaching, but well, teaching um, or like working on one of your big events or whatever, you know? Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like working on uh, a two cat. Lots and, of moments designing the programming schedule for it and thinking about like where, where the artists would go in the artist alley to think about like what the flow of the room is going to be and, you know, uh, what's going to be comfortable for the guests. What's going to be comfortable for the, um, people who are showing up, you know, that, what are we going to say? The participants. Mm. Um, I think about, gosh, what do I want to, how do I want to put that? Noticing moments. Um, I can think of a lot of anti-lesson moments that I personally experienced that add up to uh, not that again, right? Like, um, so... Okay, so the moments don't have to be right then and there. Oh, no, they almost never are. You could follow Um, up later? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I was just talking about this today. As a matter of fact, in in the the prep for this episode, I was uh, with my my 14-year-old intern, and I was asking her about this topic you know and saying like what, what do these words mean to you and then i let her just go and I, and I capture a lot of ideas um which maybe we can talk about in the second set of bullet points if we want to put that into the second part of the show today um but uh uh where was i going with this oh uh no. she she eventually kind of like ran out of steam and she was like you know it's it's really I, I need to think about this longer i'm like yeah that's the funny thing is like people think that like you can just process this stuff on the fly, but a lot of times these ideas need to sit and stew and gel and turn into something else much later. And usually when I'm noticing a moment, 
the if I were to characterize what it looks like for me, it's more like ah or hmm or oh, you know. But there's no words. It's it's more of like a it's like an emotional reaction to a thing. And then, like, the next couple weeks, that scene plays again and again and again in my brain until I start to be able to put some words to it. And after I put the words to it, whether it was a positive thing or a negative thing, then I can start formulating some kind of ideas to react to it. So, like, the, the noticing the moments is more like me sitting around with, like, a giant garbage bag of moments scooping things into it. And, you know, that's a moment I got to hang on to. Um, maybe three weeks from now, I'll know what to do with it. You know? Hmm. Um so yeah, so like like if you were to talk about A2 calf, a lot of the desi- the design decisions that went into that show were based on, boy, what are the things that when I think about my past experiences at comic conventions, tabling at shows, were the really unpleasant experiences that I always think of when I think about tabling at a show, right? Like, oh, I hope this doesn't happen again, that kind of feeling. Okay, are these things that we can address? Are these things we can prepare for? Are these things that we can design to uh, prevent in some way? Um you know, like making the artists feel honored, making the artists feel like we care about their comfort. Oh, well, we'll have volunteers who can help watch your table when you want to take a break or use the bathroom. Uh, we'll have a lunch prepared for you so you don't have to get out of the building unless you really want to. You know, everything will be within easy access to you. Um, we will do our best to make sure that you have enough room to get in and out from behind the table, you know. Um, things like that, that had I not undergone those experiences at comic conventions i wouldn't have thought to even you know consider right Mm. it's honestly taking a moment to high five thumbs up hug um a2 calf kids read comics before it all that um it is an example of something that was like that event was was iteratively collaboratively designed right that um, even it was, I, I have had the honor of, 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 of being at a few of them. I'm sad. I'm, I'm going to be missing this one, but that's, you know, different, you know, trade-offs and, you know, situations there. But like, um, it is an amazing event that other events should go study <laughs> because it's awesome. And, uh, for it, this is one of my favorite things about user experience that I love to, um, sort of emphasize when when like i i it could be like me being the 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 trojan horse um advocate for everybody freaking everybody right not just so we have our users we've got um you know maybe there's a few different types of users and what have you and different expertises yep advocate 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 um but there's also the people who make the stuff there's the people who market the stuff there's the people who um plan and manage and deal with the finances for the stuff advocate 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 you know what i mean like it doesn't stop it's every direction and so like that that is such a holistically awesome uh event that that is good that that the experience of everybody helps uh everybody individually helps everybody collectively so mm-hmm. that's that's an example of of some some great design and clearly um applying the kind of things that we're talking about and and in- inclusivity is something that is largely on all of the organizers minds partially because i mean well that that mindset is sort of who we are that's like dan mishkin me and the other krc organizers but uh and my wife who has largely taken on a lot of uh, organizational responsibility of the show in the last couple of years but um also it's a public library a public library is our host for the show 
So, uh, you know, they, 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 their tax dollars have to be used to be of service to everybody. <laughs> That's kind of baked into the ethos, right? But, but yeah, it, it's a lot of people with, with that idea on their mind. Let's make this something for everybody, not in the sense of let's make a widget that everybody will love and then it's all watered down through focus group testing, but let's make something that has elements and aspects that are of service to any use case we can think of. Um, focus groups are a placebo to actual knowledge. Just want to give a little elbow to the focus group right in the nose. So if you care about learning, don't do a focus group. <laughs> and this reminds me of something Brandon Dayton said, like when, like a, a, a few, several weeks back, I made a political post on Twitter and Brandon Dayton said, uh, when Jersey gets political, you know how bad things have gotten. When Rob <laughs> says a declarative definitive statement. I know. You know how bad things have gotten. I draw the, that's very much a line. I draw a line. If like you want to, you want to um, spend your time, you want to spend other people's time, you want to do something thoughtful, you want to learn a thing, you want to um, somehow get insights, uh, I'm just putting a little plant and wham, putting a sign in the road saying, wrong way, don't do this, please. Not yeah, even unless you need this dragons. experience, it'll help you grow, then fine, whatever. Not gonna like, stop. You. Like, yeah, you have to make the mistake yourself in order to know. Then, okay, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. There's other ways. Qualitative research this way. Quantitative research is also that way. Also, great stuff. But you know, it's not that way. Anyway, okay. I think it's time to uh, to do an, do our transition. Let's, yeah, let's take a break, and we'll come back, and we're gonna talk about some other. Did you want to give a tease for what we're going to talk about in about a minute and a half? Mm, yeah. So in a minute and a half, I think we're going to try to hit a few things as far as um, the um, some some of the blockers to the empathy. I think that's a, that's a good way to 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 phrase it. And then what you could do to try to um, you know unblock and. And, uh, and it's, you know, like what if you you don't have to do a bunch of research? I mean, we've got to, we've had some other ideas too, as far as, uh, gaining that perspective and, uh, and listening, being more inclusive and being affected by that inclusivity. Sweet. Okay. So we'll do that in about a minute and a half. But first, Rob, what do we got to talk about for a minute? Well, first I would like to give a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. And so we like to do this little thanks. It's we, we have this uh, um, a process to pick five people to just give our gratitude to. Um, we have um, you know a, a nice little number uh, of of supporters on Patreon.com, which is this platform that lets you say, um, you know what, this work I want to see it keep happening and I want to support it. it, it instead of like Kickstarter as like a um, sort of a one-time event platform more so it's it's an ongoing thing saying like yeah keep it up so yeah patreon.com slash lean into art and we've had five people we want to thank that have already joined this 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 process and and are you know to get benefit from behind the scenes things which i'll mention in a second so we first off thank you india which is old swifty on twitter thank you d jusan uh d jusan on twitter and thank you mike white who is feel follies on instagram and thank you, Olivia Burton, who is at Olivia Burton on Twitter. And of course, thank you, Kim Holm, uh, who is Den Unger Holm. And you'll hit, you'll have to hit the show notes probably if um, if you're in the U.S. to know how to spell that. But thank you, Kim. 
And thank you. Oh, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters. It means the world to us. It gives us signal and high five and reinforcement that this is a value to you. And of course, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, randomly give five more shout outs every month and you can be part of that as well. Another thing that's on Patreon, really cool, is this, uh, our, every month uh, we have this, this podcast, Extra Lean. We used to do this, you know, it was like our bi-weekly thing and, and, and in Lean Into Art was bi-weekly. And, um, but you know what? Extra Lean has a different job now that Lean Into Art is weekly once again. So Extra Lean is a place where we sort of prompt and post privately for only our Patreon supporters. And that's a place where you can go and say anything you want and just talk among the, your fellow leaners who that's, that's, um, that's our nickname for you folks, fine folks who listen to us. So anyway, thank you for supporting us. And, um, if you're interested in joining that group, go to patreon.com slash lean into art, patreon.com slash lean into art. Thanks everybody. All right. So I think it's time to hit the second half of the show and I better find some interesting, uh, transition music. Yeah. We need some kind of little, little tag. We need here. like an audio signal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, then, I, I mean, I could find something intense. <laughs> Speaking of the 80s, although perhaps a little bit more timeless than uh, the Jason the Wheeled Warriors theme, but <laughs> <laughs> Iron Maiden's career has has had, uh, you know, uh, multiple decades of success. And I don't think Jason the Wheeled Warriors has seen as as much longevity. But that Sadly doesn't inval- invalidate the beauty of that creative work. <laughs> Tastefully done. Inclusive. <sighs> if you want to you talk more about Jason the Wheeled Warriors, meet me at A2CAF, everybody. I'm happy to talk extensively about it. Um, virtually any other action-adventure cartoon from the 1980s. But we have other things to talk about right now. amazing superpower you have. Um, so... Be careful what you ask for because, you know, you're going to be like firing up on all all uh, all engines forever as people ask you about 80s cartoons, which please video that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So um, what, what, what do we want to talk about now, Rob? OK, so let's let's go with um, let's go with the sort of blocker and then then a, then a, just some thoughts on, on trying to um, unblock Okay. This this whole uh, empathy gathering perspective to uh, to be inclusive thing. Um, so when we think of the opposite of what we're advocating for, when we think of um, how mm, sometimes being so to learn, I believe it, it it implies adapting. It implies change. It implies that. Um, something you might really, really somehow enjoy or feel fits your sort of self image, you know, part of your worldview. It's, um, there's signal where it should evolve. And then if you resist that, um, you know, we've, we've seen lots of behavior out in the, out, out in the social networks, right? Um, things like Gamergate, things like, uh, fake geek girls. Oh, yeah. Different. Um, I don't know what to call them, but because they're, they're sort of like, sort of like storms, storms of social 
um, I don't know what to call them, but because they they could be less a natural force that is, and more of a human force, right? Where right, right, it, yeah. you know, it's a natural force where it feels like there's a lot of people acting on acting on instinct that honestly every single one of us has because the human experience is universal to humans all of us we were we all ev- are we're, we're a species that evolved originally in africa when there was pangea and the world you know like we went to different areas of the of the earth because we love to explore and find our place and all that stuff the human story has been going on so dang long it's been going so on long enough where it got disconnected and and there there are to to beautiful result and to not so beautiful and ugly result where you know we we sometimes see that disconnect and have look at it with wonder and sometimes we look at it with um derision and disrespect and um willful abusive choices and that's toxic so this is the opposite of 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 the empathy this is the opposite of um you know, finding those building blocks and linking them between perspectives to see what ideas can can reach one another, even though we sort of ha- we we come from different cultures and different backgrounds. And instead of uh, finding that, we we take a little more um, the habit, familiarity, comfort to not try to bridge and. Um, that can create a space of, um, mm, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a deep, it's, it's a deep topic. And there, there are some great papers written where it's like the, like, well, would you, oh my gosh, actually it's fascinating thing. Totally not, not in the show notes. Um, but like, uh, riot games did some interesting research with this as far, as far as trying to shape like collective behavior, behavior to be less toxic. Because, um, I mean, they have like monetary incentive. It's, it's like they want to reach a wide audience that enjoys the experience and then comes back to then continue to engage in trade with them. So it's a bit of enlightened self-interest, but yet they have done some interesting research. And uh, I'll try to dig up, um, dig up a link to, um, to a share out that they did at uh, the game developer conference, I think in 2015 or 2014. And it was um, uh, about their game League of Legends, League of Legends, and how they shaped the whole um, um, like negative behavior, like being abusive in the game, had real effect on 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 what you could do next. It could cause you to have it could cause you to like not be allowed back. Or it could, could cause you delays. It could cause a variety of things. And, but what they showed, it was a feedback loop that it matters, right? So, so in, in some cases, that, that um, some of this toxicity lacks a very tangible, um, clear feedback loop. <clears throat> so, let's see, where am I going with that? Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, you you were talking about um, 
Oh no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not remembering where you're going with that. <laughs> so, so unboxing it, it's it's all about yeah. the disconnect. It's like this yeah. is this is taking a quick look toward, um, an incredibly awful landscape, <laughs> saying right. like this is a path. This is a place that that it totally exists, um, where there's there's confrontation without empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of um you know, a lot of friction and, um, uh, somehow expression without care. Like, so like we're, what we were describing involved, like inherently there's an ingredient of caring about who you're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. But yet, um, there's also, I think in, yeah. in that too is, um, at least in the examples I can immediately think of, there's uh, operating out of a sense of abundance and operating operating out of uh, a feeling of scarcity. Um, the one of the most vibrant examples I can think of in my own little pools of comics culture that I interact with is I was listening. This is about like ten years ago. Yeah, it was about ten years ago, maybe a little bit more. Hmm. Um, I was listening to a podcast where it was a comics podcast where it was a bunch of guys who just it was like five dudes talking about comics that came out week to week. And it was mostly focused on like superhero comics, the Wednesday comic store crowd kind of discussions. Um, and at one point, I forget if it was Marvel or DC, but one of them was doing a new line of books aimed at children. I think it was actually Marvel. It was the Marvel Adventures series. Oh, right. Okay. And now I, knowing what you know about me, I was pretty excited about this. I'm like, oh, cool. They're finally making comics. They're going to start aiming comics at kids. Boy, I sure hope they can get kids to go to comic stores to find these books. But yeah, great, awesome thing. And surprising to me, this argument erupted on the show. And it started out being very dismissive and angry at first, where it's like, we don't need these. Don't don't make these. These I, I like my comics growing up with me. I want the, the, the comics to continue to get more sophisticated and more uh, complex as I age and I uh, interact with it. I want it to stay for me. Uh, it, was, it was very unironic. It was not, there was no like self-awareness about this. And as people argue, but, but this will get new readers. And they're like, but don't take this away from me. Like they started raising their voice and shouting at each other and like getting very angry. Don't take this away from me. And somebody said, they're not taking anything away. They're just adding something else. You'll still have your thing. Like, no, this is a threat to my thing, you know? And it was it, the, the, the sense of defensiveness it, from what I could hear came from this almost irrational terror that this thing that they love and it's wonderful that they love something so much, but to offer any kind of new ingredient to the mix felt like a threat to a status quo that like I've been honored in this way by this thing. If it changes, I'm no longer honored that way. You're taking it away from me. Right. Yeah. Uh, you, when I think about the difference between that attitude and the attitude of like, how can I help? How can I reach people? How can I be, make something that is designed to, to be of use to people? Um, that's operating out of a sense of abundance, right? That's, yeah, I mean, inherently, if we're being threatened, if we feel we're being threatened, um, we may find a different set of uh, choices more natural and appropriate, right? And the funny thing is, is that threat shows up or fear shows up in contexts that it doesn't really even make sense um, where 
uh, it's so, I, I do think like some of this stuff can emerge. It totally emerges out of uh, love and attachment and seeing this, um, whatever, I, lots of, I'm, I have to disclaim, not a psychologist. All yeah, that. neither of us, neither totally. of us a psychologist. Um, but like this, you know, being attached to an idea and feeling like this is a, um, this, this idea is so representative of, of my identity. But now there's a thing that clearly, clearly is meant to relate to my thing that doesn't, represent all of my concerns as far as why I relate to the thing. Therefore now it's, it's a, it's a threat of some sort and somehow it, it feels appropriate to behave as if threatened. And, um, I am not providing any kind of justification regarding people's choices and behavior when they are poisonous and abusive to people in, in that's horrid horrid yeah. emphatically come at me but like underlined six times yeah yeah so um but like but where does it come from right but like approaching that with a curious mind and trying to understand like systemically what what you know what do we do about that i honestly don't know like i think it's interesting some of the work as far as that, that riot games was one of the ex, one of the it, it's an example that it's like wow this this might be how YouTube comments could work, right? Better or for, you know, like some space where that kind of, um, you know, anonymously abusive stuff happens. Totally the opposite of trying to understand one another. Um, let's see. So let's, I don't know, like I, I think we framed up the negative case. Pretty, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to, can we talk a little bit about like course correcting on these things too? So course correcting. Yeah. Um, if you have the, 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 if, if you're curious at all, and, and even if you, if it's like a challenge of like, well, you know, this isn't going to really change my mind, but you know, whatever, I, I suppose I can, you know, try some different things. Great. Chances are, if you're leading to listening to lean into art, there's no way you're in that camp. Right. So, you know, we're probably all existing within the same motivation bubble overall. Um, um, unless it's somebody yeah. hate listening for some reason. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you hate listening, I don't know what to say. You yeah. know, you'll probably go away and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, but yet, uh, you know, at the same time, if the, if you're hate listening and, and like you're still, you know, you're curious, whatever, even if you're not that, even if you like ratchet that, that totally made up straw man, like by down many levels of intensity and volume. And you're, you're just literally like, you know what? I want to write for kids of more different abilities. I want to write, I want to write something that, uh, can inspire someone that has, um, such a different worldview than me. Right. How do I do that? Well, I mean, one way to do it is, I mean, you've got amazing, troves of data available to you through social networks. Um, yeah. God follow dang you do. people who aren't like you follow yep. people who aren't like you. That's it. Drop mic drop, walk away. I mean, but I, I can tell you someone is someone who has been doing that. Right. I mean, I hit all sorts of negative, you know, boxes when it comes to inclusivity, white guy, white male, middle age, right? Fricking triple threat here talking to you. And you're, you're like an evil Dick Van Patten. <laughs> <laughs> totally. And uh, that, 
but yet, okay, if, you know, set all aside, you know, people are different, whatever, you know, human condition, what, yep. um, we have a lot, of, a lot more common ground, okay? And I'm, you know, and I acknowledge truckloads of privilege and all that perspective. Um, I have found it amazingly, uh, I mean, hard and um, exciting, inspiring, frustrating to, and because of, okay, when you gather empathy for someone who is in a difficult circumstance and you're like, okay, now I'm super mad. I want to frick, I want to help. I, what do I do? You know what I mean? So like, you're going to get exposed to that and you're going to have to grow your capacity to be exposed to that. Um, and not tune it out. So follow people who aren't of your own backgrounds, like a great, awesome place to start because overall it's a pretty amazingly inclusive land is follow the feminists, follow the feminists and then, then find out who they, who, you know, who, who goes from there. Um, follow Black Lives Matter advocates. Follow um, GLBT activists. Follow, um, let's see, what's another awesome? Uh, you blipped out for a second. Did you talk about L- LGBT? LG- yeah, LGBT activists. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. Yeah, so follow them. They go through, their, I mean, individuals who have their own day-to-day lives and stories and experiences and yet are identifying in, in a part of um, a, they t- taking an advocacy and a representation position within a group. Do not ask them dumb questions, though, by the way. It is not their job to inform you. Show up and listen. Show up and listen. Be affected. And grow your capacity. Yeah, be affected and 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 go through those feelings. Because um, yes, there there isn't a day that goes by where at least at some point or another somebody says something that makes me go like what, you know. And the moment I feel that that desire to go, then I'm like, okay, this is clearly something I got to process. And and uh, when I'm feeling emotional about it, uh, is probably not the best time to do it. Let it let it let it sit for a while. Maybe that discomfort is something that's going to last, and it should. Um, Shadowing Tronix is in the chat, brings up something actually kind of related to this in terms of course correcting. Uh, he brought up uh, Nintendo had to fix a game animation for Mario Kart this week because they didn't know it was a bad gesture in Europe. So they actually had to like change the game based on... Did you hear about this, Rob? I did not. No, I, I'll have to research this. Okay. So when that happens, like, so, so for instance, like, I think this is a good example. Like, you find out, like, you're in mixed company, you say something that everybody's like, ooh... That that's as they say problematic, or that's something else. That's something that's like you know. Eh, to think about what you're saying there, um, there may be feelings of shame, right? There may be feelings of uh, oh, I did. Your, your words are bad. Now you're bad. You know. Ooh, um, yeah. The <laughs> the fixed mindset. Um, <laughs> yeah, fixed mindset shows up, and yeah. it's like the um, you know, your whole. Mm, the, the 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 sort of fire hose with which you're 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 learning and whatnot or your information's flowing through but yeah uh fixed mindset just shuts off the spigot and it's like nah done stop uh as opposed to saying like well i'm not bad i just like i need to dig in here and figure out what was what was up uh i may have done something that was not 
not well met. This was inappropriate. This was somehow disrespectful or what have you. And okay, then uh, dig in. And and I've I've noticed that there are experiences that I've had where I've said something where it reveals like, oh, hello, I just revealed a whole world of upbringing and assumptions from a different time that are no longer valid or relevant or or at least at the very least uh, incongruent with where things are going. And it comes out of my mouth and I'll even be surprised by it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, did I just really say that? And like, Anne look at me, she's like, did you just really say that? I'm like, I just did. And I feel really gross about it right now. You know, that was in there, right? That was baked into this head. And that's something I'd be a lot more uh, thoughtful about mm. as I engage with the future. Little things like, like uh, pronoun use, right? Is not a little thing. It's actually a big thing. Well, right. Okay. Yes. Thank you for and that also, correction. Because it sounds, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to tone police you on that i'm saying that it's like it turns out like our language the yeah. english language stinks yeah traditionally at um you know like respecting any kind of nuance about sex or gender right yep and uh that's an awesome example super glad you brought it up so yeah pronouns I shouldn't say little thing. I should mean like the moment you think about it with any kind of attention, you're like, it's a simple thing to pay attention to. And it was a simple thing to overlook. I, I, no, no, I, you were not, you were not making the concept, uh, whatever. I, yeah, I did not mean to somehow say like, <laughs> and my, my biased co-host, oh boy, you know. <laughs> no, but, no, but see, that's what I'm no. saying. Like, like it, it, part of it is being able to course correct in a way that is, I, I feel like that was actually a modeling exercise where it's like, I, I got caught on it and rather than turn it into this whole valley judgment of, well, now everything I say is disqualified from here on out. It's more like, ah, you're right. That wasn't precise language. Let me try to be more precise in what I'm trying to say here. Right. Well, and like we, so different generations learn from other generations or typically like as you're growing up, you're not taught by people like in the role of like a teacher for grammar that is your age, right? Um, we would probably speak pretty interestingly if that were the case, because I mean, there's some good, th- you know, I mean, general constructs that are helpful, but they'll, but little biases wedged in there that um, that pile of knowledge bricks that they're handing you is is glued together with um, different beliefs and assumptions that may not stand the test of time. Uh, things like. Um, uh, teachers emphasizing how how like be specific about gender. Never don't use they. You know, it turns out now in today's context, they is actually the uh, the most conclusive, widely conf- available, known, understood option. Right. Yep. Uh, use the heck out of they. Yep. And if if it really bothers you that much, then just refer to everybody by their proper name. <laughs> Throw out pronouns altogether if you can't use they. Um, but yeah, and yeah, okay. So, do do we want to start getting towards uh, this? Is such yeah. a huge topic. This it is, is something a big we'll... topic. Totally. Like, I'm I'm glad that I mean we unbox. We were like, okay, let's visit this. I, I'm we're gonna have to come back to it. We are. We yeah. are. We got. We'll I mean, and this is where we can count on the leaners to say like, but what about? But what about? Or can you like elaborate on this part? Right. Oh my gosh, you you know those of you listening to this, you have such. Um, power and ability to influence where ask ask us a, qu- a question throw a curveball and 
that'll become new episodes. So exactly. would love to hear that. So do you want to get the final thought in a second then? Yes. Okay. And uh, we got some more people to thank for making the show possible. And maybe we can think of some final thoughts. Like, and we could pick from the treasure chest of difficult to navigate ideas <laughs> for our final thought for this episode. But, um, oh, Vanillion is in the chat and giving some, uh, okay, maybe that, that can be part of our final thought basket. Uh, hey, Vanillion, good to see you again. Uh, but before we, we get to final thoughts, uh, we got to thank a couple more people, and those people uh, make things, and those people are, are us. Uh, so I mentioned at the top of this episode that I make comics. I'm a cartoonist and a teaching artist, which is to say a person who makes comic books and teaches other people how to make comic books. And one of the comic books I'd like you to read right now, if you haven't already, is uh, boulderandfleet.com. And uh, I'm highlighting right now uh, an older story that I did called Fish Don't Have Teeth. I know some fish have teeth, but the fish in this story don't have teeth. <laughs> that's like like when I go to conventions, that's people's favorite thing to point at. And they go, you know something? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so I changed the cover to say some fish don't have teeth when I do the print edition. But what is it? It's a story about these two uh, pro wrestling fish, the Fishman Warriors, and it's um, Fleet's job this little bird, before she became an adventurer for hire, she was a wrestling manager. And these are her two uh, fish wrestlers, tag team, the Fishman Warriors. That's at boulderandfleet.com. Uh, it's also posted on Instagram uh, and Twitter natively, uh, all over the place. Um, and uh, there's even a Patreon. If you really enjoy it, you can you know check out behind-the-scenes stuff at patreon.com slash jersey. Rob, you make a game. I do. And it's uh, the game I want to talk about is called This Panda Needs You. And you're like, okay, step off, Panda. Wait, come on. We don't even know each other. But the thing is, you, you launch this game and... Needy Panda. She's <laughs> so needy. And uh, it, so this, this, this little panda shows up and there's a stack of blocks. And, and it's like, oh, okay, interesting. And a cloud comes down and knocks them all over. And now the panda needs you to help put things back right. And when you're trying to do that, it's actually a puzzle to solve because you got the physics of stacking the blocks. And also you're probably managing all the space and stuff, especially as you get on up through the 50 plus levels. So there's, um, you know, it's, it's a very mellow game compared to, to many experiences. There's no aliens shooting at you, bombing you or eating you. But No finishing move? No finishing move. There's no finisher thing in the game whatsoever. It's just mellow music. The panda dances as you're making progress. I made an algorithm that knows, as, like, if you're making progress, that tells the panda, celebrate. And it's fun to see a panda dance. So anyway, get this game on iOS. It's for your iPhone and iPad. And you can learn more about it at this-panda.com. And if you are here because you like the way we think about stuff rather than the stuff we make, then there's videos you can download at leanintoart.com slash workshops, where it's like classroom workshop videos that we've made, uh, ranging from making comics to lettering comics to uh, UI, UX design, and making video games from your comics, even making uh, jokes into comics, all at leanintoart.com slash workshops. If you've already done that, and you're like, hey, I've already consumed all the stuff there is to consume from you guys, um, then a great way you can support the show right now that costs you nothing but a few moments of your time is giving the video a thumbs up if you're watching it on YouTube or if you are listening to it on a podcatcher, going to that podcatcher, whether it's Stitcher or you know the podcast app on your phone, uh, giving it a star review. Five stars would be super nice. 
that helps uh, help more people find us and discover our stuff. And thanks to everybody who has, you know, given us reviews or tweeted out links. Uh, it means a lot to us. And we have one more sponsor to thank this week. Yeah. And that's Becca Hilburn's 7-inch Kara at 7inchkara.com. What is it? It is a watercolor webcomic about a miniature girl, a friendly kitten, and a human teenager who find common ground with food and exploration. It's for middle grade and easy readers who enjoy kind-hearted stories and gentle adventure. I throw in also me because I happen to really, I was just talking to my students today about how much I love Richard Scary books and still read them, you know. Uh, I get new ones when they come out, rather re- reprintings, because I love kids' kids fiction. Um, this comic is from comic artist Becky Hilburn, who longed for such comics when she was growing up and found them impossible to find. Becca strongly believes that kids deserve quality quality entertainment and is doing her best to make it available for kids who need it. This amazing comic, 7-Inch Kara, can be found at 7inchkara.com. Read a new installment every Friday at 7inchkara.com. Or even better, you can hold 112 pages of this great comic, 7-Inch Kara, Every page illustrated beautifully in watercolor. Purchase it now at natosoup.com slash shop slash Kara comic. You can find it right at, if you go to 7inchkara.com, you can find the shop button right at the top of the page. Um, and we thank Becca Hilburn for her support of Lena to Art. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Becca. All right. So what's going to be, what, what did Vanilla share in the chat? Um, Julia Galef's TED Talk, Why You Think You're Right Even If You're Wrong, is a great resource for every creator and everyone else. Have you seen this, Rob? I haven't. Um, but yet, I mean, that that kind of... Uh, hoping it it has a, you know, one of those TED Talk like, oh, I, I do want to be wrong sometimes. I, that title, I don't know. But like, <laughs> uh, if it has that kind of, you know, if it delivers on that, that sort of TED Talk pattern, uh, that'd be cool because... It's, I mean, it's like you, you put out a hypothesis in the world to test it and learn from it. And that, uh, this could be a great sort of, uh, a different way of telling that story, um, where, you know, I might be wrong, but like, I, I think I'm right. But if I have the, I have no idea if this is the purpose of the TED talk, I'm purely reacting to this as sort of a final thought kind of thing. Right. Saying that, um, well, I have a hypothesis because this is what I believe based on what I've learned so far. But not only I don't just like now run around, essentially, this is my fresh assumption. I'm, I'm building some mechanism with which to test it and to see if it, if it holds up under um, new information and scrutiny, right? So in, uh, that could be doing a usability test as a user UX designer that could be um, looking at the adoption of something you made like, oh, okay, more and, pe- more, and more people are, are using this and you know, spreading word about it. Or the people that do um, you know, buy my app, they are opening it and using it. Awesome. You know, that, that kind of thing. Or, or like, well, wait a minute, this isn't happening and now what? Um, it hap- that whole this isn't panning out um, is critical. Like you have to be able to notice if you're wrong. Fidelian goes on to say uh, Julia's model of soldier mindset versus scout mindset is something that Vanillian comes back to often uh, when they want to identify and correct their own biases. And Jesse chimes in on this saying, yes to scout mindset. I found it liberating to acknowledge what I don't know. It frees me from needing to appear smart and gives me permission to just listen and learn. 
this is huge, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of cultural narrative about, quote-unquote, being the smartest person in the room, right? Genius. Being a genius. Being a visionary thinker. Being uh, an entrepreneurial leader of men, as to use old language, right? Oh, boy. And, oh, that, you know, that, that person has a reality distortion field. <laughs> what a D&D power that is. Um, and it's all a part of that whole, you know, the mythology surrounding how to be successful, right? There's, uh, we, we love to look at that stuff and, and reverse engineer it, oversimplify. And, and sometimes purposefully not pay attention to negative aspects of it. Yeah. I keep coming back to this over and over again. Like there's like this old comic and it's going to become more relevant, I guess, in the years to come as we get closer to this Avengers Infinity War movie. But in the Infinity Gauntlet series or the miniseries, whatever it was that like that came out in the 90s, um, there's this scene that like really like hit me right between the eyes when I was a kid or teenager. Cause it was like, this is why I love Spider-Man so much. Um, this, this, this goddess type cosmic character is like telling all of the heroes, Captain America, Wolverine, Hulk, etc., um, why they have to go on this quest to stop Thanos from using the infinity gauntlet to, to do terrible things. And everybody's like, just really by such a powerful speaker. And she's like filling them with this, this, this great sense of purpose for this quest. And Spider-Man is, is like dwelling on it. He's like, I've never felt more confident that I have to do something. And he's like, wait a second, I'm Peter Parker. Uh, I never feel confident. This is wrong. <laughs> and like, it turns out that she's actually casting a spell on them. But his own comfort with his discomfort in his life is what gave him the strength. Like, Captain America couldn't overcome this, but Spider-Man could. Why? Because he's riddled with self-doubt. <laughs> yeah that's that is the silver lining of self-doubt is uh is is it's a it can be a superpower to um honestly it's funny and yeah i'm i'm totally twisting what you said but like uh, in a way if everyone in the room is talking about well we don't have to we don't have to do this for that audience and you and and you're the one wondering, like, how can you possibly not? Uh, that that's a superpower, and if you can find a way to, um, hmm, it doesn't make your next tasks easier, <laughs> but uh, be, being able to see it is a start. But being comfortable with not knowing is, I think, a, a big superpower. Um, yeah. Scares investors though. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I, that, that, that is such a cute idea. I, I think it's, I think it's adorable to think that people can protect themselves from the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, so did we walk around it? I think we walked around it, Jersey. Okay. So um, thanks to everybody in the chat tonight, Jesse and uh, Shadow Electronics and Vanillion, uh, for participating and giving us some resources to put in the show notes, which is leads me to say this show will be archived at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. We do hope to see you in those, at, 
uh, Patreon is where you can actually comment on the episodes. There's comments uh, are off on leanintoart.com. So if you want to interact with us, you can do it on Twitter. We're going to uh, throw out some links about that in a second. Or again, patreon.com slash leanintoart. Um, we'll be back next week with another episode. Uh, thanks, Rob, for this discussion. Thank you, Jersey. And until next time, I've been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey on Twitter. And I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com and Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.